0: Hello, and again, welcome to BitDepth. I'm Santiago Ramones. Across from me is...
1: Hey, what's up? It's Evan Knox here.
0: (laughs) I'm happy to have you. Uh, I guess the first thing is that, like, sorry that I was late getting back to you, but, you know, stuff happens.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man, I feel you. Don't worry about it. I appreciate Um, you making it work.
0: Yeah. Uh, So first things first, who are you and what do you do?
1: Yeah. So my name's Evan. Um, I run a marketing company in the Atlanta area called caffeine marketing. Um, I'm also a small business investor. So a lot of my time is spent either trying to grow one of my companies that I partner in or my client's company.
0: Yeah. Um, so to start with, how did you get into marketing and investing and why?
1: (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Um, It goes back to my grandfather. So my grandfather actually taught me about marketing when I was a kid. So I I guess really a teenager and I would go to the store with him. He owned his own jewelry store and he would teach me, Hey, we're going to place this ad in the Atlanta symphony. Um, it's going to say this, here's what most people like, forget to say, here's what you should say. And I remember that strategy and messaging being really interesting to me. And then fast forward about four years ago, um, uh, Church that I was working at. Part of my role was marketing there, and I really enjoyed the marketing aspect of it. And, I, and my dad had just passed away, and my grandfather was about to retire. And I thought, you know what? I can't help my dad and my grandfather um, anymore, but I can help other small business owners like them. And so that's why I started. Decided to start Captain Marketing, and then investing really was birthed out of this desire to like work hand in hand in partnership with small business owners because. What I found is like, there's this very pure form of like uh, teamwork when you are on like literally co-owners and something. And so instead of having this client relationship, it's a completely different dynamic where it's like, Hey, we're in this together. Um, I'm your partner. Let's make it happen. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoy that.
0: Yeah. What is it about marketing that draws you to it?
1: It almost feels like math there, in my opinion, I think there's kind of two sides to marketing. Both are really important. And I feel like if you don't have one, or if you have one without the other, you can't really do it well, but there's more of a math and strategy side. And then there's a creative side. And I lean towards, I mean, I haven't, I could tell you if something looks good or not. I actually have a, a decent eye for design, but I can't create it. Um, it's not really, I'm not really good at creating things from nothing, but I'm really good at strategy. And so I enjoy the strategy piece of it. And it almost feels like a really fun version of math class, because once you pick and pull all these little things together, um, then you're able to create something really cool and profitable.
0: Yeah. What are the biggest mistakes that you see people making in their marketing?
1: So most people, you know, it's funny is like when you said that, I actually think this is the mistake that most people make in their life. Um, is they make themselves the hero of the story and the same goes for their marketing. And so when people try to market their business or their service, or even if they're like a freelancer um, or musician, they talk about how awesome they are and how, how they really just try to tell people how awesome they are. And they hope somebody will buy their product or service. But in reality, people aren't looking for another hero and they'd like to, you know, join them in their story are looking for a guide because everybody's living out the main character of their own story and their own narrative. So they're not looking for another hero. They're kind of turned off by that. But what they're really looking for is a guide. So the mistake that I feel like most people make is that they make themselves the hero and they don't play the guide.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What are sort of the hurdles that you've been going through that as you sort started- of to learn marketing and figuring this out, what were sort of the biggest lessons that you learned and the biggest mistakes that you made that kind of got you to where you are now?
1: Uh, my biggest mistake I feel like is, I don't know why this one always sticks out, but there's this company called MoviePass. If you ever heard of it? Um, it went so. under <laughs> in case you haven't <laughs> heard of it. And I I learned the lesson, I'll say the lesson, and then I'll say what's funny about it. Um, the lesson is to invest, to to invest with your strengths. So like whatever you're really good at, um, invest your time and talents into that. So like growing small businesses is where I discovered, hey, I really have a knack for this. I'm really good and I feel comfortable doing this. But just picking random stocks is not uh, not a good option for me. So my lesson, that was when I lost a lot of money, reading headlines, picking stocks when I had no business doing that. Um, and, you know, it's fine. I didn't like wage the farm or anything, but uh, it definitely... I was a waste of money. I would say that. So I learned in that to invest in my strengths, and the same goes for my business. So like whenever um, I try to find partnerships with people, I try to pick people that are not—they don't have the same exact skill set that I have. They have something different, so that I can focus on what I'm best at and bring that to the table. And then maybe a lesson from something that's been successful um, along that same lines is bringing in partners. When I started caffeine, um, it was just just me, um, and I bootstrapped it. And I feel like it went really well and I'm glad I did it. But I will say when you have someone in your corner, when you have a partner, it feels like a lot less burdensome. You know, it's not like, oh my gosh, if I don't wake up today and make this happen, then it's going to live and die on on me. So I love this idea of partnering and having a abundance mentality instead of a scarcity mindset. Because when you are a solo entrepreneur and you're just trying to make it happen, you're being like really gritty. That's a good thing. But sometimes you can get into a scarcity mentality. You're not willing to invest. You're not willing to share the wealth. Um, where I think if you have an abundance mentality, it's like, if I can bring other people into this, it can be a really good thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. And a lot of times it does become like, it's a one man thing and you can only do so much. What What was kind of the first thing that you realized, I need help on this? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, like I mentioned, I'm not the most creative. And so at some point I realized I can only write so many social media captions when, I, when I was, um, just starting and we started more of a, a social media agency and then quickly pivoted to be more marketing strategy. But yeah, I mean, I, from that point on, I was like, Hey, I, this drains the life out of me. Um, so I put people <laughs> around me, uh, whether it be, you know, at one point staff member and right now it's contractors, um, to make sure that we have the right copywriting and the right creative in place. Um, and I'm not doing something that I shouldn't be doing where I'm I'm only delivering a, a good product or it could be a great product if someone else does it.
0: Sure, yeah. What do you think separates Caffeine from other companies? I mean, I'm sure there's the list is vast. And so what makes you stand out in your opinion?
1: Most people don't know how to pull together a marketing strategy that's profitable. And what I find is that, Business owners go to marketing agencies or marketing individuals, who they may be, freelancers is fine. Um, but they go there saying, "Hey, here's the thing that I want." Um, and most agencies just go, oh, "Okay, cool. You want PPC or you want SEO? Great. Here's our menu of services. Pick and choose." What I find, what I find is that there's no marketing strategist. There's nobody that can pull every all everything together and make it profitable. So not to say that caffeine is the only one out there that make it profitable. There's plenty of other ones out there, but I feel like it definitely makes us unique and that we start with a profitable first approach. And sometimes we won't even work with people if I can't see a clear pathway to profitability for the marketing. So we, we primarily focus on that and make sure that our marketing um, is getting our clients a really high return on their investment.
0: Yeah. Um, something that I kind of have been thinking about a lot, especially having just put out an album is marketing kind of a, pay to win game or are there certain strategies that you can take to kind of, you don't necessarily have to throw in all your money, but if you, if you play it correctly, you can get a whole lot more out of it than you normally would.
1: I think you have to first start with understanding marketing principles and it sounds kind of boring, but if you can just simplify it down to three parts of a funnel. So if the, there's a thousand different funnels out there that people would tell you, but I like an oversimplified version of it. Cause it's really easy to understand the top part of the bar or the biggest bar in the funnel and the top part of the funnel is brand awareness. And then the next one is consideration. And the last one is conversion. And the first problem that you're trying to solve is that people are not aware that your product or service or album exists. So you first have to make them aware that it's a thing consideration. You have to now communicate to them um, why it is that they should buy your product, service, album? What's unique about it? Whether they should spend money on it, spend their time on it? And then, lastly, um, the conversion action. So that's the thing that you want them to do. That's to buy, it's to sign up, um, get a free PDF and guide on your website. And you just really want to make it as easy as possible for people to work with you. And so, if you could saw, if you could look at it and go, okay, where is my biggest need right now? Do I have a problem of brand awareness? Do I have a problem of consideration or conversion? Like, where in the funnel is my um, business or, you know, career lacking. And so I think if you pinpoint that you can identify different solutions to help you with that problem. So brand awareness, there's plenty of paid options for brand awareness, but if you can find some sort of free brand awareness, that's going to be great, especially as you're starting up, can you partner with people? Um, can you send people a bunch of DMS, you know, like whatever you have to (laughs) do to hustle, uh, to get that awareness, because if they don't know you exist, they're not going to buy your product or service.
0: Yeah. Uh, And then I guess kind of to flip it, since you run a marketing company, how do you market a marketing company?
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, We do a lot of content marketing in the form of like writing blogs and articles. And so we get a lot of inbound traffic that way. Um, We're also part of a niche community called StoryBrand. So some of our leads come from StoryBrand. We're the experts as far as like advertising goes within the StoryBrand community. And then other ones is paid advertising. So, you know, that could be Google ads that we run, um, Facebook ads. Uh, Those are great, both retargeting and top of the funnel advertising campaigns and then referrals. Um, So you've got a couple organic versions of new leads coming in. And then you also have uh, some paid sources as well.
0: Yeah. How has the world of marketing changed over time? And you mentioned that your grandfather had his own jewelry store. And so like the way that, marketing kind of worked then versus how it works now, especially with the prevalence of social media and the internet age? Uh, What's sort of been your biggest shift in focus, especially over time with technology?
1: Well, I was definitely not an expert when I was a teenager watching all that transpire. (laughs) Uh, But I will say I did pick up that my grandfather didn't have the luxury of tracking conversions. So he was never able to... See when someone saw an ad, and then they saw they saw a billboard or something like that, and then they saw something in the local newspaper, and then they saw something in the phone book. You know, he was never able through technology to track all that. So what ends up happening is he ends up guessing and just throwing money in random places because he can't track conversions. And pretty much everybody had to do that. I mean, you might have some larger companies that could say, "Hey, we're just going to do billboards this month. See how that goes. We're going to do radio ads." And smart people would do that. They would split tests um, and see which one would work. But for the small business owner, it was very challenging to break through. And so I feel like as a small business owner today, you have such an opportunity um, to break through because the barrier to entry is so low. Like If you can find somebody who really knows what they're doing, paid advertising, it's really easy to scale a small company and grow it really quickly. So back then, it was try different mediums to solve that problem of brand awareness. And then could you reinforce it by sending them email or not? well, I guess emails at some point, calling them um, or direct mailers. Those were all ways to uh, improve retention and move people from consideration to conversion. And then today, you've now got uh, social media advertising campaigns where you can create an audience that's just like your existing customer base. And so I can upload a list of my customers, say it's 1,000 people, upload it into Facebook, and then create uh, an audience about 2 million people large um, that's, it matches almost the exactly same exact same characteristics as them. So same, you know, demographics, social economic, uh, behaviors, you know, spending habits, all that stuff. So I take those people and replicate them and now I can sell to them and they're pretty much an identical copy of my existing customers. So it's really easy to scale. Whereas my grandfather never had that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be really hard for him to, to grow his company at scale like that.
0: Yeah what's sort of the biggest barrier to entry to kind of getting from small business and getting to a mid-level and even bigger?
1: Yeah. What I find, I don't, I really do need to come up with a better name for this, but it is a scarcity mentality, <laughs> but I see it most with real estate and lawyers. Um, and I've got friends that are real estate lawyers. We just bought a house. so I'm not like anti real estate and lawyers, <laughs> but I notice that in these two professions, sometimes they have a, um, a bit of a scarcity mentality. So, real estate agents have to be really thrifty, which is great. But they make plenty of money, especially if they're successful at it. They can make thousands and thousands of dollars um, every year and do just fine for themselves. But they're what I find is that they're often afraid to invest back in their marketing. And it's hard for me to understand because I see that hey, if you spend a thousand dollars on ads, you could easily get fifteen to fifty thousand dollars back based on you know your commission on real estate sales. So. That to me is interesting. Um, same with the lawyers. Lawyers have this thing of like hourly mentality. Um, not all of them do, but some of them where they get hung up on like, okay, well, how many hours is this you know, going to take, whatever, but they don't see value. So it's almost the thing that I see small business owners, they have the grips on the handles, they won't let go, they won't trust other people. And therefore, they're not going to be able to scale and grow their company, both from an operations standpoint and from a marketing standpoint, because if they don't ever trust anybody else. Um, they're always going to be the bottleneck in their company, and every decision is going to have to pass through them, or they're going to have to supervise everything. And same goes with their marketing. If they're not willing to invest in their marketing, um, they can only you know go so far without some form of you know systematic marketing.
0: Yeah, what's sort of one of the more nitty gritty sorts of things that happens in your day-to-day that no one would ever think is like, wow, I didn't realize you had to go that deep whenever you have to deal with this thing? <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, most recently it's been looking at data and at some point data becomes like, I have to be careful at what time of day that I'm looking at data because <laughs> my eyes can kind of glaze over and it's hard for me to like pull different trends from it. So if I'm looking at two different advertising campaigns, a couple things are going on there. One, I know that these pixels are the Pieces of JavaScript on the website—they don't track everything. Maybe they only track fifty to seventy-five percent of it. And so now I'm left trying to guess. All right, so this Google Ad campaign says it's getting the, this, you know, return on investment for me, whereas this Facebook campaign is saying that it's going to get me this return investment. But it's also not that simple because they could see a Google Ad go to the website, get a Facebook retargeting campaign, and now I have to kind of look at this um, array of marketing that we're doing and go okay what is the winning funnel in here so are they seeing the google ads they're hitting the facebook ads they're getting an abandoned cart email now they're getting an sms notification that their discount's going to expire what sequence here is the most profitable and where do i put more money in, in order to scale and grow this company so i'm looking at stuff sometimes like cost per click um, number of impressions how much it costs to bid for something all of those go in factor or a factor cost per impression a lot of nitty-gritty stuff in order for me to kind of decipher this code and say, okay, what's the thing that's actually growing this company? What sequence of events?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, at what point do you kind of feel the triumph that you have successfully achieved a, a good marketing campaign?
1: I will say that it's hard for my wiring. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's, for example, we've got. Uh, so there's a couple of companies that it's just like me and another person as a partner, but a couple, most of them are me and a, a partnership group. So it's me and two other individuals that are entrepreneurs as well. And we have meetings every Thursday and we'll just run through our, our list of, um, businesses that we're, you know, a partner in. And it'll be like, man, we're 400% growth over last year since we, you know, became partners in the company or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's cool. Cool. Yeah. The, the ads aren't performing how I want right you know, like, <laughs> so I don't ever, I don't know that I'm ever satisfied with that. Um, I think that's a blessing and a curse in some ways. I will say though, there is moments where I feel very vindicated where I'm like, I've, there's a client and I'm like, one comes to mind. He is a executive at a medical sales company. Um, and he is in charge of their marketing and sales. And he was just like, you know, it took a long time. This we, we talked for about five months or so, which in my opinion is a long time. Uh, For some companies, that's probably not that long, but in negotiations, making stuff work. And I finally am like, hey, Chris, you got to trust me here. We're going to make it happen for you. Um, Finally pulls the trigger. We do a new website, create ads, create a follow-up sequence. Long story short, he's got over a 17x return on investment. So for every dollar that he spent with us, he's at least gotten 17 back from that which is incredible. And I wish I had a vending machine that I could just put a dollar in and get 17 back <laughs> continuously, right. I keep pouring money into it. Um, so there are moments like that where I'm like, Hey Chris, all right, how much does that deal? Okay. All right. Here's how much to fill the website. Okay. Do you understand that that's a 17 return X on, you know, what you spent with us and it's like, wow, yeah, it's amazing. Um, so those moments I feel like are really good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, where, I guess, where do you find that it's hard to get the ball rolling that maybe sometimes, uh, you, like you said, there's stuff that like, oh, I want this to be performing better. And how do you tweak that to really get it going?
1: I think having enough experience with some of these advertising campaigns over time, I have an idea of like, all right, something's not matching here. It's either the offer, the audience, um, so the, the targeting or the the copywriting um, and the offer could be, you know, it could be the copywriting as well, but, but generally it's, Hey, is what we're trying to sell to somebody, is that not jiving with them? Um, or are we talking to the wrong person? And so I, I generally try to split test those um, two different factors. So for example, right now we're working with, um, this is actually a hard problem to solve. And I, we're, I just got an email from the client that they've made a huge sale, which is great. Uh, but again, it's not, I'm not satisfied with that. Um, I want it to be like 10 to 20 X for them and not just, (laughs) uh, you know, three or four X. So anyway, also be said, they want to target female financial advisors, which is great. Um, they serve pretty much exclusively female financial advisors. However, the targeting that I can do, um, I can narrow it down to women who are financial advisors, but I can't speak to them. And so these are interesting problems to solve where I go, okay, how do I tell, women that I have an offer specifically for them. Uh, but not, I not break Facebook's policies, uh, saying, Hey ladies, um, cause you're not allowed to do that with Facebook policies. So it's mm-hmm. becoming an interesting problem to solve by going, all right, how do I speak directly to these people? Because if you're able to speak to them, that campaigns are going to optimize. So if I know I want to speak to marketing agency owners, or if I want to, if I want to speak to musicians, if I say, Hey, musicians, I've got this incredible course on how to release your first album. You're going to pay attention to that. I'm not going to pay attention to that because I'm not a musician. Um, Mm -hmm. So you have to speak directly to them and then you have to communicate an offer. And um, it's been a challenge. It's been, you know, it's split testing audience offer. How do we say this without uh, breaking policies in this regard? That doesn't always happen. It's kind of unique.
0: Sure. It seems like there's a lot of psychology involved with a, both dealing with who your audience is, but then also dealing with your client psychology. Because so I feel like there might be times yeah. where someone might be trying to go for something in their marketing and you, with all of your expertise, you might have to be like, well, that's not necessarily the wisest decision. How do you kind of navigate those sorts of things?
1: I think you. Ha- I have to uh, approach the situation as a guide. Um, I also have to have emotional differentiation. And so if a client does not do what I've asked them to do or, you know, respond to something or they choose to go a different direction, I have to have enough um, self-awareness and emotional health to go, Hey, that's okay. You know what I mean? Like they're doing this over here, but yet they still are doing this thing over here. And they don't trust me that that's a waste of their money and they're not seeing any results from it. So um, the psychology is very interesting. I think emotional health, intelligence, um, self-awareness, all that stuff really lends a factor into the client relationship. Um, and obviously I'm not perfect and they're all humans as well. So there's always attention to navigate there for sure. Now, when it comes to the client, as far as like, if we're selling to somebody who is a potential client for a client, so I, let's just call them customers. So potential customers for our clients. I'm now looking at this the lens of, How can I communicate these people what this product is and how does it help them solve a problem or survive and thrive? So how does this help them win the day, be successful, uh, become an ideal version of themselves or how does this help them avoid failure or pain? So I'm ultimately thinking of it like a storyline using this thing called story brand, And I'm thinking, all right, hey, what does success look like for this potential customer? All right, well, if they're going to drive a BMW i3, it looks like being eco-friendly, but living this luxury lifestyle. Or if it's the you know coffee cup I've got here, the Ember coffee cup, uh, I want to now paint a picture of, hey, you don't want to actually want to know what failure looks like. Failure looks like having stale coffee that's cold on your desk that you don't want to drink. That's failure. Um, success looks like having coffee at the right temperature all day. This like, little mug here. <laughs> uh, has it a certain degree? It's, it was a Father's Day present, which is super fun.
0: Um,
1: but yeah, that's just an example of success and failure.
0: Yeah, yeah. What is something about you that people don't normally know?
1: I'm a certified gemologist, so I could probably—I can't o- officially grade your diamond, but I could probably tell um, for those who uh, have gemstones, like they've got an engagement ring. I could give you a good idea of what kind of diamond that is <laughs> um, or what kind of cool. gemstones that you're wearing. Uh, so that's a fun fact. It's always, it was really interesting growing up working at a jewelry store because people would be like, Oh, what do you think of my ring? And if I didn't like it, I was just like, <laughs> Oh, it's, it's great. It fits you. It's perfect. You know, I, it's, all, right. it's all opinion based, you know, I don't, I'm not the expert. So,
0: yeah. Um, also, so you had actually come to me asking about, podcasting and so you, you were yep. considering starting a podcast so what was kind of your interest in that
1: yeah um i think for me it's an interest in personal branding uh, it's also an extension of helping small business owners and entrepreneurs um, and then also you know helping me grow as a person sometimes i just want to think that something might be hard uh, it seems like a fun challenge so i've since then uh, i've reached out to a bunch of people for advice and input. And I can't tell you how, I mean, I need to write, I don't know if it's a blog, if it's a long video, <laughs> I got to find some way to concisely put together all of the advice that people gave because it's really helpful. Um, but one of the pieces of advice is, the pieces of advice that was given to me was by a guy. And he said, hey, you should be a guest on a hundred podcasts before you, before you start your own podcast. Um, so So far I'm on that journey, pretty close to the end of it, but I feel like I've learned a ton along the way.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Do you have an idea of what that podcast would be?
1: Well, here's the thing is in this journey, I'm sure this guy was super insightful and knew this already. I've learned that some areas can be very crowded. So like the business and marketing space, there's a lot of podcasts in the business and marketing space. Um, And that's an understatement. So for (laughs) me, I know that there are some people that are just like, Evidence your voice, you know, that's enough. And I'm like, nah, I want some unique angle on it. You know what I mean? So if I'm going to do it, I want it to have a unique angle on it. Um, I've found one unique angle so far, but my business partner couldn't make it happen. He's too busy with me. But the idea is kind of fun. So somebody out there can copy this, but he's a fly fishing guide and um, I'm a like a marketing guide. And so I thought it could be like, ask the guides and then we could like, interview all these guests around business and marketing and then talk about uh how that relates to Bowman and fly fishing which is the um company that we're partners in and you know use it as like a case study you know what I mean? so but he's we, we have so many trips right now he's <laughs>
0: he's
1: got he has no time so
0: right uh lastly on this front Uh, What advice do you have for people that are first starting out, uh, either small businesses or maybe they want to start doing their own marketing? What's sort of some advice that you have to get them started?
1: I wish, well, I would say this, I would not be afraid to ask for advice, um, and spend time with people who are experts. I feel like if you genuinely, if you're like, Hey, can I sit down and pick your brain for 30 minutes? Um, you know, I I would, I would charge a lot of money for that. If it was like, (laughs) you know, a client, um, and they would, it would be very valuable to them. But if some younger person or somebody who's just starting out, like as a friend of mine, or I know them in my network and they're like, Hey, can I just have 30 minutes of your time? I'll buy you lunch. Let's go to here. I mean, kind of looks different. A lot of the pandemic, but you know, some version of that, um, I would love to help them because I've got a lot of friends that, you know, I see from Facebook that went to my high school or whatever. Um, and I'm like, man, just ask me, you know, like, just ask <laughs> yeah. me for my advice. I just want to help you so bad, but I don't want to come in there and be like, well, here's what you should do, you know, you're whatever. Right. So <laughs> just ask, there's people around you who are really good at whatever it is that you're doing. Um, and don't be afraid to ask them because they probably be will help you.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, that is actually one final thing. Uh, the How has COVID affected the way that you operate?
1: Yeah, well, I remember when Georgia went into a shelter-in-place order and obviously affected the fly fishing business, because um, that was like a month of like no revenue, uh, which is fun to navigate. And we came, came out on the other side doing just fine, but it was definitely like, whoa. And then caffeine, all of my proposals fell through. Every single proposal that I had out, none of those mm. ever went through. Um, Shout out to any of the people who were there. I was talking to you. I feel you. I understand you. It's probably a really scary time. So, I mean, I get it. Uh, and then I had two clients cancel. And that, like, literally, like, that week, it was like, boom, boom, boom like, everything was happening at once. And I'm thinking, man, this is going to be really interesting. Um, you know, I am not used to this. And eventually, it leveled up or, you know, leveled out and uh, had a lot of different types of companies coming to us. You know, companies that were either positioned to reinvest back into their company. So companies that were not operating at the moment, but had time and the attention to go, hey, we want to be ready when we can open our doors back up and grow our company, which is great. And then you have other ones um, that were just skyrocketing sales. I remember one of our uh, clients, we were consulting for another marketing agency. So I was like training another marketing agency on how to run ads, basically. And as we were doing it, we were doing that for one of their clients. So client of my client, whatever. Um, but it's our ads that we were running and they were getting an 84 return on investment. And that was mainly due to the fact that, of uh, you know, the whole, everybody working from home, all this stuff and their business skyrocketed. And, um, you know, to them, I just was like, spend more money. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. not with me. I mean, just in ads, like, I mean, every mm-hmm. dollar you're spending 84 back and they just, they had that scarcity mentality, like I mentioned earlier even though they were they, i don't even know what, how many figures would that be six or seven figures um a month or a week i remember it's some outrageous number and they were afraid to spend more than a couple thousand dollars in ads <laughs> uh so i just you know racking my brain like man that's a can't be doing that but all that we said um you know we I've been we've been super fortunate in the last three years we've doubled um our, our profit every year um and I don't think that we're gonna hit that same profit number this year but we're above where we were last year. And I'm just very thankful for that. You know, just that um, even though it looks different, it's not the same growth trajectory that we're still, we're just still doing good, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Switching gears and there's no good way to transition into this part of the conversation. uh, What is the role of spirituality or religion in your life?
1: Well, I would say that um, for me, I like to think that it's first, uh, um I often ask myself what matters a hundred years from now for me. And that generally comes down to like my faith and my family and my my faith being my relationship with Jesus. I'm a Christian um, and like just regular old non-denominational Christian. And I mean it just puts everything in perspective, you know, like the stuff of this world really doesn't matter. Um I remember I lived in Thailand for a few months and I was just exposed to extreme poverty. Um, and just realize, Hey, like money and stuff does not, this doesn't matter that much. And so to me, I think of it and I thank God, that it's just like a game I get to play, um, that he kind of lets me play in the sandbox, but I don't ever want it to become first priority in my life. And so whenever I feel stressed and overwhelmed, um, I try to go to God first, um, you know, then talk with my, my wife or my family or whatever, my friends, but I try to bring everything first to him imperfectly. Uh, mind you, but at the end of the day, man, I I love I love God more than I love business, and so if God was ever like, "Hey, you're not doing this anymore," um, I say, "Cool. What else? What are we doing now?" You know? Sure.
0: Yeah. What is your definition of God? Yeah, great question. So,
1: I I think I so the God of Abraham um, would be the God of the Jews. Right. And he's also the God of Jesus. Um, and Jesus is God. So I, if, by definition, I would say some people might refer to him as the God of Abraham. He referred to him as I am. Um, and I've just referred him as Jesus, you know, and so in the Christianity world, um, there's kind of like this thing called the Trinity, which is kind of hard to process, which is like, they're three, but one. So, um, the father, the son and the Holy spirit, you know, is one? It's a single He is God, but at the same time, he has three distinct um, roles that he plays. And so, when I think about you know who is or what is God, um, I just think of the Trinity and Jesus.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what is free will in your definition?
1: Oh man, I love this. Um, <laughs> in the Christian camp, there's two. I guess it's probably more two camps, but um, two that I'm familiar with is Arminianism and Calvinism. And the Calvinist movement would say there is no, like the far, far right Calvinist or left, I don't know, um, would say that there is, you know, no free will. God has predestined everything. Um, and we are just playing a part in that predestination. And then Arminianism would say that, hey, we have total free will. Um, every single day is up to our choices Um and God doesn't intervene, or He does, but only when we ask Him. So for me, I don't. I think the free will is complex, and I don't know that I can simply solve it because there's a lot of stuff like my family history, um, my values, and one might say that there's certain things that I'm predisposed to do that I think I might be choosing, but really am not. I'm not a victim of something, but I'm a product of something. I would say so. I think the idea of free will is that we get to choose our own future and make our own decisions. Um, But I don't know how much I believe that free will is 100% a thing or if it's not at all. I kind of land somewhere in the middle. And maybe some things are both, you know? Maybe God just redeems stuff as we do it. And yeah, I think the way that I think of free will is that like God factors in our decision into all the infinite possibilities of what he could do and i don't have any real uh proof for any of this but my my thought is like man it's almost like the avengers like if in the avengers when they take out um those like little time cubes and they alter the timeline there becomes all these different time variants it's almost like god knows that times infinity like he knows all the different directions and variants that existence could go into. Um, and he is outside of time, so he can see all those things objectively. So I just think he's so big and I can't quite wrap my mind around it.
0: Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> what happens when you die?
1: I would like to think that if, you know, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, um, that for me, I'm going to be with Jesus one day. Uh, I don't know if heaven is a, like another dimension, or if it is a new earth, um, and that I'm going to wake up or whatever, um, and be with Jesus and this, his new creation, a new earth. Um, but for those who don't, uh, believe Jesus is who he says he is, I think that, um, it's going to be life without God. C.S. Lewis describes it as like, Hey, if you didn't choose to follow God, um, or you didn't, you know, you didn't want God in your life, then you're going to have the absence of uh, God in the afterlife. And so if I see in Evan's opinion, um, Evan could be wrong. Uh, but in Evan's opinion, if God is everything that's, if God is perfect and good, and then the absence of him is, you know, the lack of good or perfectness. Um, I think that life without God in the afterlife would just suck a lot. You know, it'd be everything that isn't good.
0: Sure. (laughs) Um, how do you determine what good behavior is?
1: Definitely subjective um, to some extent. Uh, the one could look at as a Christian at a worldview. Can you could look at the Old Testament and you could say, "All right, well, God laid out these rules, these commandments, and then the Jews added a lot of other commandments on top of that." Uh, but really, I think of what's good and wrong is. Um, is this loving towards another person. And so when Jesus said, hey, love your neighbor as I've loved you, that was kind of the continuation of other commandment, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, love your neighbor as yourself. He later goes on to say, um, love you know, love one another like I've loved you. And so Jesus ultimately chose the best thing for us and laying his life down for us on the cross um, and you know, rising from the cool. dead. But like, he chose to sacrifice himself for the best thing for us. And so I think that, uh, when we look at that and like morality, it's like, what is loving for the other person? And uh, I may not always a hundred percent clear picture on that, but I can take my best guess on that um, of what that might be.
0: Yeah. How do we reduce the division?
1: Probably conversations. Um, when, so I'm, you know, white male grew up in Georgia. I have a limited perspective on race uh, and what my friends of, you know, Asian or black or any other uh, ethnicity um, really go through on a day-to-day basis. And obviously they don't fully get what I go through. It's not saying it's better or different. They just, but how can we all understand each other without having conversations? Um, And so I think probably in the same vein that having conversations with one another and listening to one another is probably the best way to do that.
0: Yeah, definitely. Do you believe humans are evil by nature?
1: think that one through, uh, (laughs) by nature. No. Um, and what I mean, I'm going to like add an asterisk there. Sure. So like by nature, no, because we are creating a God's image. Um, and so if the idea is that, you know, humans are created evil, um, by nature, uh, I don't think that God is evil. I think God is everything that's good and perfect. So as if we're created in his image, then we're not created, um, evil. However, our decision, um, well, Adam and Eve's decision, if you call it, uh, to reject God's commandment to eat, um, uh, fruit, um, true. <laughs> I'm loving this now. I feel like, uh, eat the tree of good and evil, Eating that tree of good and evil. Um, that decision then like almost added like a disease into humanity that um we are now have this war within us of being God's image bearers and also having this um effect of sin in our life, which is um again, just choosing something that's not one there's two ways I guess to define it. One is choosing something that's not what God wanted, um, or doing something that uh would hurt another person. And so or it's not loving towards another person. So when we look at that and we go back to, um, is humans evil by nature? I would say no, but we have a disease that we're sick with and that's why we needed a savior. Um, it's cause we needed redemption from that sickness.
0: Yeah. What do you think humanity is heading towards in the future?
1: I'd like to think a positive, um, trajectory, you know, like I think, it depends on how you look at it and what stats you look at, but like an increasing, um, you know, lifespan and more people have access to clean water than they ever have before. Uh, I think that there's a lot of good things that are happening in this world. Uh, and one might, it depends, I guess really you could argue either direction, which would be really interesting, but I would say things are are getting better as we go on. I think that there's definitely work to do in a lot of regards, but, I think the the future is positive as long as we continue to grow as a society. And I also think that there's this public accountability now, you know, like everything is videotaped, everything is out there. And so I think the public will ultimately judge I like if something is okay or not. You know what I mean? Like it's not like you could just get away with stuff um any, anymore. So
0: yeah. What makes you optimistic about our future or for our future?
1: Um, first as a believer I think like I mean, like Jesus says, hey I'm bringing this kingdom down here to earth I don't, I don't know I don't know that that's just like one day when uh, the rapture of the world ends or whatever you know I think God wants to build his kingdom here and now um, and so I'm optimistic that God wants to do something, I'm sounding very Christian right now, <laughs> but I <it's>, know <laughs> it's not my intention, but it's just, I guess what I believe, you know? Uh, but yeah, I just believe that Jesus, like he wants to build his kingdom here and he wants um, to redeem the brokenness of our world. And I feel like maybe this is a sign that we're heading in a positive direction in some regard is some of the things that i mentioned before. Um, and so I I'm positive and optim- optimistic because I feel like God's in control and um, I don't have to worry about it. You know, like I I could be part of the things that he wants me to be a part of, you know, like bringing clean water to people who don't have access to, I know I already mentioned that, but like, that's an example. Like, I feel like I get a partner with him and something that he wants to do. And so that therefore I'm optimistic about the future because I believe that he's in control and he, he cares for people.
0: Yeah. How do you think your faith affects how you run your businesses?
1: It gives me a level-headedness, I would say. I'm a generally intense person person by nature mm-hmm. um, and maybe upbringing. And so I think that gives me a certain foundation that I feel just like you know, at ease or peace with, no matter what happens either way. And I also think that's one, one regard. The next regard is that if I really do believe Jesus gave himself for me, I I want to be my own extension of that in my business, you know, like I want to have this attitude of being a servant to my clients and also to my business partners, you know, like I'm not here. uh, They're not a burden on me. You know I mean? I'm, I'm there to serve them. I'm there to guide them along the way. And so I see it as a privilege and an honor. And I really care about the business owner or the small company executive, you know, like they have a family to feed. And so I want this to be a good thing for them because they matter and their families matter, you know, their community matters.
0: Yeah. Given that, I don't know, it seems like lately Christianity gets a bad rap. uh, How do you think that affects how you navigate that? I guess through your business, but also just kind of interacting with the world and sort of trying to be a representation of Jesus without the negative connotations that, seem to be associated with Christianity?
1: It's hard to judge. You know, I'm a fairly young guy, but I think for me, I've noticed it could be my just getting older, but I become more afraid to say something that's politically incorrect. I don't know if that's the exact right phrase, but like I just offend somebody. Um, So like a friend or client who's also a friend had a baby or was like gonna go have a baby. He was like, hey, we're headed to the uh, emergency room. And I'm, my heart is like, Hey, I'm praying for you guys. Like, I'm so excited for you. This is awesome. But I felt like I couldn't say, Hey, I'm praying for you. Um, because I felt like, I don't know, my, my, not only not think that's weird, but that like just somehow might offend him and that might not be okay. You know, like I'm okay if he thinks I'm weird, but like, um, <laughs> I don't know. It just, it's, I feel like we're in a, you're right. Christians do get a bad rap. Um, Sometimes we deserve it, you know, like we uh I don't know that historically we've done a, a perfect job and we definitely haven't done a perfect job. Um, and so I don't know. I think not I, I wouldn't judge Jesus, obviously this, I wouldn't judge Jesus off his followers, even though that's the reality of it. Um so like he is good and perfect. Um, we're just trying to, to be like him imperfectly.
0: Sure. What makes you content?
1: <laughs> I'd like to say, uh, it comes easy, but it's not, um, today I, I'm not sure how to really say this in the right way, but, but um, I texted my wife and I said, Hey, uh, I've just honestly just felt really like, um, materialistic is the thing that I was thinking because, and honestly, like I'm, I'm in it all day, right? Like I'm in the marketing space. I'm looking at stuff and how awesome stuff is. And I have to say that stuff is awesome. You know what I mean? Like, of course I want, of course I want that new car, you know, (laughs) Uh, or or whatever, or Apple CarPlay in my new car, you know, Oh my gosh, I shouldn't have it. I got to install that now. Um, So I just texted her and said, Hey, I just feel really materialistic right now. Um, And I don't don't really want to say, Exactly what I said to her after that, but I just said, "Hey, here's this thing I want to do. Can we do that? Um, as just an offering to God, just to, just for thankfulness, and also just to counter the materialism that I'm experiencing right now. Um, so it was almost like, all right, here I am, <laughs> just so obsessed with what's in front of me, just forgetting what all's gonna really matter 100 years from now. I'm like, why don't I just take like a blatant step the other direction? Why don't I just do the opposite of that? You know, so." I feel like that helps.
0: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> when will you be satisfied?
1: Uh, probably not till I'm with Jesus one day. Um, I have moments of satisfaction, both like a dopamine accomplishment. So <laughs> I'm not a you know neuroscience expert here, but I think I do understand that when I crush a goal for a business that we're a part of or we make a lot of money on something... I get a hit of dopamine. Um, so it's like this drop of dopamine in my brain. But if I go to spend time with Jesus, excuse me, I'm in that moment with Jesus. I'm reading the Bible. Sometimes I feel a connection with him. Sometimes I don't. But when I have this relationship with him, I get this like release of serotonin. And so it's like a different type of like chemical reaction in my brain of satisfaction. Um, where like one is like an, oh yeah, job well done to myself. Um, or the other one is like, no, like I feel the contentment like we were talking about earlier. Uh, but I know that that really won't be there permanently until, uh, you know, everything is made perfect.
0: Sure. What advice do you have for people in general?
1: Well, I definitely already said my hundred years from now thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't use that. Um, I think, I don't want to oversimplify it here, but I'm just going to take one out of the Jesus playbook here, which again, I'm not trying to sound overly Jesus-y, but like worrying (laughs) about tomorrow, um, it has no value. Like Jesus said, I'll give two, here we go. Uh, One is like worrying about tomorrow is not going to do anything. I'm paraphrasing uh, about it, you know? So why worry about tomorrow when today has enough trouble? And then the second thing is that it's better to give than receive. And so I feel like we as humans so often just want to accumulate crap And stuff. Uh, I'll just speak from I do, Um, and so what I've found though is I lose sight that it's way better to sit down with somebody and give something. And so I'm reminded of that so much with my friends. My friend, I've got some of my core friends that are just unreal. I mean, just like we. I remember going to the airport and being late for my friend's flight out of Atlanta, and there was just like you know, some people who I think were homeless and were asking if this, if they could have food. And here I am with my friend, like got to get to the airport. And I'm like, Oh, sorry, man. And my friend literally just like, not at all a thing with me. Wasn't trying to show me up. Like literally just walks in and it's like, Hey man, what can I get you? Like, what do you guys need? And then like feeds these people. And I was like, here I freaking am. Just <laughs> trying to get to the airport. Uh, totally losing sight that this is what we're about, you know, like our little friend group, this is what we care about as other people. Um, so, you know, I just yeah. I'm thankful that I'm reminded of that stuff.
0: Yeah. Last question. Cake or pie? Mm. <laughs> cake? Okay.
1: <laughs> and c- cookie cake in particular. <laughs> Not what really is a cake guy
0: what is your your ideal cake or cookie cake?
1: <laughs> um it would have i mean it would just be like organic, maybe vegan, just so many giant chocolate chips it'd be dark chocolate <laughs> uh, I don't know if this exists, but that would be great and then if it has to be actual cake, uh my grandmother's red velvet cake is pretty good
0: heck yeah. <laughs> evan thank you so much for doing this with me
1: yeah thanks for your um incredibly thought-provoking questions yeah, <laughs> i really appreciate
0: it yeah that's the that's the fun part and the fun point of uh, where can we find you and your things how can we support you
1: yeah. Um, evannox.com or caffeine.marketing. It's got like my social handles on there and stuff. Uh, but if you are in business or a freelancer or whatever, and you want to grow your company, I've got a free guide on both websites that will help you um, build a sales funnel. And it's super easy.
0: Yeah. Uh, do you work with like anyone anywhere, or is it just kind of limited to, uh, the Georgia area?
1: It's not limited to the Georgia area. I will have like an intake meeting depending on whoever whoever the person is. Um, but I really do stick by that promise to make marketing profitable. So sometimes, you know, two times out of 10 or one times out of five, I will say, Hey, honestly, I just don't think it's a good fit right now. And I'll suggest some best next steps from there. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) Well, um, I'm glad that we got together and I, I'm really glad to have gotten to know you and I guess, sorry for barraging you with all these hard questions. I always feel that way at the end of every interview is that like, (laughs) man, this is, this is like heavy stuff that sometimes people don't think about and like you handled it really well. So, oh,
1: well, good. Because I'm like thinking to myself, man, is that really like, if I I had time to write out my answer, it would be different and think about it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was wonderful. Thank you.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Um, so, uh, I'm Santiago Ramones. Evan Knox. You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music. Bloom is available now, streaming everywhere. Put it on in the background, put it on your workout playlist, show it to your friends so you can all enjoy it together. You can also buy the album and get bonus content to get a bit deep into the emotions you can feel with it. I also make music with Power Cycle. An experimental electronic trio. Our first album is completely improvised. It's called Too Many Damn Cables. It's streaming everywhere. More to come from Power Cycle in the future. To support this podcast, leave reviews, comments, tell your friends about it, and buy my music because by supporting me, you're supporting the podcast. I always end the podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are love never fails. It's going to be okay, I might be wrong.